Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we're talking Manhattan today, and we got we got a special treat. We got Nikki Field, all right, who everybody knows, and then we got Philip White, the the CEO, President and CEO of Sotheby's. Thank you so much. And we're going to get some really cool insights today. Um, thank you for joining. And Nikki, let's get right into it. Um, what is going on in the Manhattan markets? Interest rates are going up. Is buyers, sellers, what are they thinking? Tell us what you're seeing. Uh, good morning, Noah, and good morning, John. And it's a good day for me, too, sitting next to Philip White, uh, CEO of Sotheby's International Realty. We're always keeping our eye on the macro market, mm -hmm. uh, what's happening out there beyond the hinterlands of Manhattan, because we are clearly focused day to day on New York buyers. What's happening today, specifically regarding the, the pending interest rates climb, fear and movement. We like that in a market. Uh, fear means people need, the, need to make a decision sooner than later or get out of the party, and they're doing that. We have accelerated a number of clients uh, in the last two weeks with the fear of the climbing interest rates. What also has accelerated is negotiations. Rather than this long dance that we've been experiencing because buyers have all the power, and they still do, the, the dance is much shorter because the clock is ticking with the interest rates. And I hear it wow. over and over and over again. Let's get this done. My mortgage broker is telling me I got a lock in my number. So the acceleration of negotiations is certainly facilitating faster deals, generally stronger deals because there was a motivation about that interest rate number. We're thrilled. We look for all extenuating reasons for people to make a commitment in Manhattan. And as you well know, you've been reporting on it regularly, accurately. Manhattan is selling. It's in a boom period right now. Yeah, deal volume is off the charts. I am not seeing any slowdown. So, so there's a fear of missing out. There's a little FOMO going on on interest rates. They don't want to. Um, they don't want to let it get get past them. They want to lock it in. Phil, I want to. I want to go right to you on the macro side. Um, you see a bigger, broader picture um, in terms of interest. What are you seeing in other sectors, or, or, or from your position with the data coming in? Recognize it relates to interest rates. You know, I think we all kind of anticipated they would go up. I think the real question is, you know, how are they going to impact the equity markets? And you know, in our in our part of the space, you know, really buyers are more driven by the the wealth factor, if you will, uh, the equity markets. Um, you know, and they can tap into that type of portfolio, uh, really instead of a mortgage. Um, and right. And in some cases, those rates are even less than, you know, the prevailing mortgage rates. So, you know, so I, I think I see that more. Um, but, you know, the age old, you know, uh, adage is that increasing interest rates do spur people on. So there's that. And, you know, the other backdrop from a macro view, um, you know, not necessarily New York City, but, you know, as we all know, there's a scarcity, scarcity of listings. Um, I think there was a poll done recently uh, with top brokers, and that was their number one concern. 79% of them said that was their chief issue. And, you know, and you can certainly see it, you know, go around the country, you know, pick up any kind of, you know, regional local broker website, and you'll see um, where that, where an agent maybe, you know, used to carry 25, 30 listings and some uh, cities, you know, they might be down to five. Uh, you know, I know an example like that. So, 
So I think that's that's probably, you know, and, and again, 79% of a universe of brokers said that was their their chief concern, even even more so than interest rate rising, interest rate rising. You know, right. It's a really interesting point. You know, one of the pieces we put out over the weekend was kind of a deep dive on mortgage rates. And we kind of looked at what's the correlation between, you know, mortgage rates, at least in New York City, you know, mortgage rates, the number of contract signs, prices, price per square foot. And really the correlation is extremely weak. I mean, it's not, it's not zero, but it's not, it's certainly not close to one. So there's, there's a little bit, I mean, clearly mortgage rates are a part of the puzzle, but they're not by far, they're not the entire puzzle itself. Um, but it's especially true, I think, you know, the, that, that pull forward, especially when it comes to sort of higher priced properties, when that mortgage bite is going to be a, a much more significant chunk of money. And I'm curious, you know, Philip, Nikki, if this is one of the things you're seeing is that we've really seen a race, you know, to get these luxury contracts signed. Um, Nikki, if you could speak to Manhattan in terms of what the luxury market is doing, and Philip, I'd love to hear, you know, from your perspective, sitting on top of the national data, Sotheby's International, even international, is the, is the force in luxury buying right now is this a, a global phenomenon or is this sort of more uh, an urban phenomenon well i'm glad you call it a phenomenon because it actually is happening uh from sotheby's perspective and particularly in new york our luxury market is the 20 million and over so we're really talking serious luxury here mortgage rates have no impact on that these yeah. are all cash guys and women yeah. all right so that there's not even a concern a comment or an indication that that is their motivation. Their motivation is securing really solid best-in-class properties now rather than later. They feel, and these are really smart, you know, well-invested, uh, um, uh, successful people that feel that the play in real estate is a solid, smart one right now. You, uh, both of you know because I sent them to you. We've been doing a lot in private offerings recently. Um, this past week alone, we rolled out, my team rolled out an $85 million private offering and a $70 million private offering. We are truly shocked at the amount of interested participants that have contacted us in these last three days over those two listings. These are all cash buyers. These are portfolio uh, uh, builders. And these are people that recognize best in class and that New York is now soon to be in many of their perspectives starting to take off again and prices will be zooming and looking for an opportunity market that we're exiting but still offering. Hey Nikki, could you just quickly for people that may not understand, um, could you explain the difference in private offering that you're talking about in this $85 million offering? Private offerings in our industry are those that do not go public, that are not on, on listing portals, that are not advertised, that are not marketed. We look for directly the client and, and present this private offering, not available to anyone other than those that are invited and, yeah. or their representatives, their wealth advisors or their brokers. These are people we know are in the market or these are people that we know are not necessarily in the market, but not only can afford, but have shown and have a reputation for buying best in class properties. Yeah, I mean, I can just add, a couple of things here. So, you know, we have a lot of things happening geopolitically right now, as we all know. Yep. Um, you know, and you know, it's 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 awful what's happening there. You know, but it, you know, the beneficiary of some of that unrest, uh, instability, you know, has always been New York City, um, and you know, the U.S. just because of our stable economy and our political system. So, you know, I think that bodes well uh, for the real estate market 
as a whole here. Um, I think the other thing that I think about uh, over my years of being in the business is, you know, with inflation pressures, um, you know, that tends to increase tangible assets like real estate. So, you know, smart investors do look at it that way, even in light of the higher interest rates, but the inflationary pressures do accelerate price appreciation. So, you know, yeah. it's not just 100% negative is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and, and Philip, I love the way that you look at it because, you know, in times of, of, of a little bit of uncertainty, there's a demand for dollars, right? There's demand for U.S. dollars, and, and, and you're seeing the U.S. dollar go up right now. Um, and, you know, in terms of, of New York City, you know, John and I have always said that we, we look at New York City, it's very different than other urban markets. It, it has behaved very differently than other um, vertical markets across this country, um, especially since the pandemic. And, and I don't think that we're a market that um, you could say, we, we have tight inventory. I mean, it's not super tight, but we have low inventory, but we're not, mm -hmm. we didn't have an unsustainable price action boom. Mm -hmm. So, and, I, and for very good reasons, you know, there, there's some issues that I think New York City is still dealing with. And I want to pivot to that because one of the issues um, that we're not at full capacity and one of the reasons why we are a bit of a depressed market related to those other verticals is the fact that we don't have the foreigners. We yeah. don't have the foreign buyer back. And I want to and I want to go over there because, Nikki, I know you have a good sense on this. Are you seeing an, an uptick in inquiries from foreign buyers or is that still kind of just flat and here and there? Yes. OK, they that's good. They have been yeah. circling and certainly they have been keeping tabs with what's happening in, in New York and the whole U.S. market. Uh, they've been looking for their opportunity and their, their opportunity in particular to deploy dollars. Uh, Canada and India are now our two most attractive investors over the last two quarters in New York specifically. Uh, Canada has been coming down in mass in the entry and mid-level. India, quite surprisingly, no one saw this mm. coming. Mid and upper tier buyers are here. They are locking in some really significant luxury properties and they're doing it with cash. So they are here. Obviously, we're looking for others to follow them. My Moscow desk is silent right now, understandably. Deals that were in progress are locked down. Uh, our ask. Eastern European desk got very quiet. Middle East has been quiet for a while, although they're buying at larger levels, I understand, commercial uh, and in hotels. But they're still not back to residential in my neighborhood. South Americans have been buying right through the pandemic. They buy quietly under the radar, but they've been buying condos in Manhattan successfully and with great gusto. Uh, I mean, the it's, wisdom that, that, that she's got. How often has this been going on for this, 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 this foreign buyer uptick? Okay, bulk buyers were there in 2020. When we were offering wow. them 25, 30, 35% off bulk. Right? Bulk. That's right. what we worked on. That's what, when we were all in our caves, March through July. All right, yeah, we were you're out there out. doing bulk deals. We were reaching <laughs> Some out. Some of us are still in the advisors. cave. Yeah, when when we when we uh, when we escaped the caves and came back again, we were working on. I think we discussed it before moving people up. Buyers in New York, in particular, that didn't know they could now afford to move from their classic six or seven on park to a 10 on fifth. We did a lot of that. Buyers that didn't know they were buyers, we just offered them the opportunity. In 2021, 
the first two quarters, our international buyers were quiet again. A lot was going on those first two quarters and unknown about where the vaccine was going and how New York specifically, US and New York specifically, were handling it. By September of 2021, it was safe to come back. We had the new mayor and international buyers were talking to us, those that were buying residential, were talking to us nonstop about crime in New York. The publicity, the PR about the increasing crime in New York was really on steroids at that time. And we were trying to talk people down from that and explain to them not only was the crime not any larger than it had been in the recent past, but the new mayor in town was going to specifically focus on that. If we continue to, to convince and provide the data and the information that crime in New York is under control, you're gonna see a lot more international buyers, ones that are higher profile, ones that you'll be calling you, Noah and John directly. They're coming. <laughs> Interesting. Well, let me, let me stay on the point of getting out of the cave because you know once you're out of the cave from COVID, you have to get back to sort of a new normal. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see you know, one of the patterns that developed during COVID that was the first thing that people talked about was the exodus of the city, city versus the suburbs. It's kind of changed now. Now it's about the exurbs versus the city and, you know, the what Jonathan Miller likes to call the dual primary. And, and you know, Philip, from your perspective, I'm curious, and I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a two-pronged question. Um, <laughs> how, how are you seeing the exurb suburbs across the country? That's the first part. And the second part is, are you seeing, I just kind of want to go back to the previous one. Are you seeing a lot of American buyers who would normally buy luxury either, or even just not even luxury, just American buyers who would have normally focused on Manhattan or the suburbs. Are you seeing any American buyers, you know, traveling abroad to purchase in say Canada or Mexico or, or other destinations simply because now they can, they can work from um, geographically advantaged places for recreation or something like that. Both of those. So back what we call the hybrid work model, which is, you know, that individual who can go outside of, the suburb, suburban market, you know, get a bigger property. Um, they still may need to commute to their office, but they don't have to commute as, they don't have to commute five days a week. Um, yep. So, you know, I think that's a big change um, that somebody is willing to give up, uh, you know, uh, location, get a bigger property, just because they have more freedom to work from home, at least more of the time and have maybe you know, a better quality of life for their family. So we're definitely seeing that. You see it outside Nashville, you see it outside Orlando, uh, you see it in, in outside Houston, Dallas, those Texas markets, certainly the states where there's no uh, income tax, you certainly yeah. see it there. You know, Florida is a tremendous beneficiary of that. Um, you know, Texas, um, you know, even Wyoming and, and Nevada as well. So. Uh, again, kind of a work from home scenario, um, you know, saving on on taxes as well, as, which is still a driver. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing that playing out really across the board. Um, and then, you know, to your other question about Americans buying abroad, um, <clears throat> we are seeing that, um, you know, we, we fortunately have almost 400 offices outside the U.S. We're in 79 mm -hmm. countries. Um, so we do get a glimpse into the markets. And we're, we're transacting, transacting business in those markets. So we're not there just to get referrals back to the US. Of course, that's a big benefit as well, but we're doing business right there. Um, mm -hmm. So we're able to have a, you know, our finger on the pulse of the market. 
many of those markets, we had a record year last year, we had a record year in 2020, and actually we're exceeding um, our forecast this year on an international basis. So we are seeing Americans, you know, looking at Italy um, and uh, Nikki and I know one of our brokers that's there right now. Um, buying for himself. Buying for himself. Uh, but we see that on the Cote d'Azur, uh, their transactions there, London, um, we see London, you know, they're going there. There were certain values in those markets, um, but it's playing out similarly, if you will, to the U.S. You know, if you say, well, the Cote d'Azur is like Palm Beach, you know, it, so there's some, there's some correlation there. Um, and I think, again, it's benefiting from the work from home concept as well. Yeah, it's a completely different world. And that's, that's, it's, it's such a great insight to hear you um, tell us from, from your position up here. Um, and get confirmation on all this. And, and I'm going to wrap this up with the final question over here. Um, this has been really, really an, an exciting conversation. Um, I want to put you on the spot, both of you guys, um, Philip and Nikki. And uh, I'm not going to ask you to go too far out, but I'm going to ask us to let's, let's play out 2022. All right. For New York City real estate. Let's keep it local. Um, we have a, haw a, a hawkish Fed. We have this um, geopolitical concerns. We have um, a bit of credit spreads widening going on right now, a little equity market volatility. We have interest rates rising. Um, we have inflation concerns. So to say that there's, there's no macro issues is, 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 you know, that's something. So there's a lot of things going on. So Nikki, let's go with Nikki first, and then we're going to end with Philip. Um, what do you see the Manhattan market doing in Brooklyn, I guess, as well, um, the remainder of this year? I pray every night that developers keep on building. As long as they continue, and they certainly have been very, very uh, proactive during, during most of this period, as long as they keep on supplying uh, velocity of inventory, opportunities there for the buyer. As long as I can provide a compelling argument why it is an opportunity market, we can see them continuing to purchase. Once we make that transition to a seller's market, the velocity will slow down. The prices will go up, but the velocity and the, the embracement of the city will again start to retract. So I am not only hopeful and optimistic, I'm seeing that the developers that we speak to, they continue to be flush with cash and investors, continuing to build out those plans build out those properties at different sizes and price points, which should continue to build. I'm, I'm forecasting that fourth quarter will break all records in Manhattan real estate. I hope I'm right. Yeah, I That's think price action is going that call. way. Yeah. Philip. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's only one New York City. Um, and, and, you know, the people that have owned real estate here over, over the years have done very well. Um, so yes, you know, there's going to be cyclicality like in all markets. Um, but I look at it in terms of the long term, and I, I think, you know, it's a safe bet. Yeah, I agree. John, you have any final thoughts on here? No, good stuff. I actually, uh, I think Nikki made a really good point, and I would just agree with it. I think that there's a there's an underlying assumption of like a contango market in the city in which prices tomorrow are going to be higher than they are today. And I, and I'm, I'm worried about that's that sort of assumption sort of ending. If we have, uh, you know, higher interest rates, we have geopolitical uncertainty, stock market, in, you know, instability, but I completely agree that 
you know, with the luxury push that we've seen right now, I know this is something you and I have been talking about extensively for the last yep. few months with a luxury push end of 2021, early 2022 is really going to juice the prices in terms of the overall market. And it's going to make transactions. It, the market's certainly going to be higher, but it's going to make the run of the mill transactions a little bit more confusing, especially if you're a broker yeah. and you're out there trying to price something, it's going to be a little bit of a, of a trickier market. Yeah. And I agree. I think Nick, you, don't be surprised to see record Q1 pricing. Don't, don't be surprised to see record Q1 pricing as, as those luxury sector boosts all that stuff. And I don't think it's going to last. I think it's a function of that luxury sector doing crazy things. Um, we'll see. Um, it might fade a little from that high, but um, time will tell. Um, we'll this has been incredible. That. We'll deal yeah. with that. We'll yeah, deal with that. Exactly. That's a, we had a hell of a run. We had a hell of a recovery. And this market has proved once and again, it could, it could um, come back from, from the, the hardest of hits. Right, we've seen it over and over again. Um, Philip White, um, President and CEO of Sotheby's, thank you so much. That is Nikki Field. That is John Walker by M. Noah Rosenblatt. We are both from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time.